You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learned. Abdacha, It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It'd be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. This is episode 101. And before we get started with uh, the actual talking of, of beating Arsenal and, and pressing and goals and Austin and Long doing stuff that that we like and cheer, can cheer for instead of uh, you know groaning or them having to delete tweets. That's mostly Austin, not Long. We, a few announcements. First off, thank you to everyone for all your support over the past 100 episodes. Uh, last week, inbox on on a number of social media channels and everything was was flooded. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I just want to say that as much as I appreciate all of the comments. Um, and everything that came in, I'd like to remind you that the show doesn't happen without you. So many of you have given uh, your time in terms of being a guest on the show, uh, your time in terms of listening, your, your time in terms of, of providing feedback and encouragement to me over the past, you know, to almost two years. So, uh, me getting to episode 100 of the show, getting to episode 100 is as much about you as it is about me. And yes, at the end of the day, I am the one who's sitting here at 1030 or 11 or whatever it is, um, recording this, editing, editing, you know, in hotel rooms and everything else. But I wouldn't do it if, if we, I didn't feel like we we're all in this together. And I, I really do feel that way. So, uh, thank you. And all of the things I, I got last week in terms of messages and things were very special, but uh, Freddie from the ugly inside, if you missed it, was able to get Matt Letizia to send a video to me saying congratulations and it left me speechless, which isn't really good considering that I've made a hundred episodes talking. And so I was so kind of taken aback by that and just, um, I don't know, just, just so blown away. Um, I can't believe, uh, Freddie was able to do that. can't believe Matt Leticia took the time to do that. It's, it's part of the reason that, that it, what makes it so special, I guess, but, um, I'm stumbling and trying not to cry. So it's okay. So, um, Anyway, uh, this is episode 101, and this week I'm going to talk with Zach Coopersmith. Uh, we spoke directly after the Arsenal match. Zach has been on a boat for the past four or five months, and I just want you to just take take yourself back just a few just a few months ago, and how different the team looked five months ago to how we looked on Sunday. And just imagine you came off of a boat you you the last time you saw the team was five months ago. And man, what a difference. Uh, 
I, so anyway, we'll talk to Zach about all of that. He runs two pages on Instagram. One of them is the Saints Voice. One of them is the Southampton FC page. We'll talk about that stuff. Uh, but before we do, just a few uh, kind of quick little housekeeping items. A few slight changes to the show moving forward. First of all, last week, I launched the Patreon page for the podcast. And I want to, once again, just, just remind you that it is not an obligation. This is not uh, some sort of charity. Uh, but people have asked for ways to uh, be able to support the show and enough people did it to where I decided to launch the Patreon page after 100 episodes. And so um, what you, what happens there is if you sign up to, to support the show, you get a few extra kind of items. One, you get your priority for having your questions answered on the show. So when we move to the question section, uh, the patrons will get some priority. We will still read questions from other places, but the patrons will get, their questions answered. Uh, well, like I said, they'll get priority. You also get access to um, a Discord chat, which is private and it's only members of the Patreon community and myself. So uh, slightly more kind of active. You can ask Saints-related questions. People have asked questions about podcasting. Uh, we just had a discussion about um, jerseys and things like that. And so if if you're interested in that, that sounds cool. Um, you know, here we go. So. There's, there are those two things. And, um, we have some people who have joined the community already, uh, and it's been great. And I cannot thank you all enough for doing that. If you are interested in signing up, uh, to become a Patreon of the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. And the link of course is in the show notes. I say that about a thousand times a show, but just running through, um, some of the people who have joined so far, AJ Reardon, Dave Lee, uh, Giorgio Spacagna, I think I messed up your name, but thank you. Uh, James Hope, Kevin McKee, Mike Banks, um, Mike from Portland, thank you. Rob Clements, Shaw, and Stephen Brandt, thank you so much for uh, joining both at the $2 in the squad tier or the $5 on the team sheet tier. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I didn't mention that if you join at the $5 tier, you do get access to one extra podcast episode per month that will only be uh, heard by those patrons. So um, thank you. It, it's been, it's been fun, but um, the Patreon site will uh, include things that I, that I write and that I put up and it requires some extra effort on my part. And so as a result of that, after the end of 2018, so at the start of 2019, I will no longer be posting the episodes on SoundCloud. And I don't think it's going to impact that many people. Generally each week, SoundCloud only gets played between one and four times. And, but it requires me to set it up kind of each episode has to be set up um, individually in just the extra 10 minutes it takes. Um, I can focus that elsewhere. And, and I think that's one of those things that I need to do because the goal of this, of course, is to uh, enjoy the, the football, enjoy the team, uh, enjoy making the podcast, but also remember that I have um, other things to do. And I tend to get very obsessive about things. And I need to spend my time kind of wisely. So uh, no more SoundCloud after that. If you're listening on SoundCloud and you're not sure how to listen elsewhere, um, do me a favor, send me a message. You can email me at SouthamptonDelivery at gmail.com or just use any of the social media channels that are in the show notes of the, South, of, of the SoundCloud link over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I'll help you get set up listening elsewhere. I hope that's okay. I'm sorry. It's just one of those things that has to go. Anyway, all of that said, um, I've taken up a lot of your time already. Uh, I'm sorry, but let's jump into um, episode 101. 
Uh, we have a win to talk about. We have three points to talk about. We have getting out of the relegation zone to talk about. All all very good things with Zach Coopersmith. Uh, so let's do that now. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Zachary Coopersmith. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at M-O-A-M fan Zachary. He's the co-admin at the Southampton FC page. Uh, there's two N's at the end of that. And he's the sole admin at the Saints Voice. Um, but Zach, you've been out away on a, on a boat for several months. You come back. We got a new manager. Uh, you were at the MLS Cup final last week. You saw the win today. I mean, you've, you've been around. You've been away, but you're back. And, and thanks for coming on the show. I'm very excited to be here, Matt. Um, obviously, yes, as you said, I was on a boat for three months. I tried to watch what I could. But obviously, being away out of the country, not easy. Um, stressful, a lot of school, a lot of fun. But being away from the team that I love, it's not easy. As you said, I went to the MLS Cup final. Obviously, not nothing like the Premier League, but still, the atmosphere was insane. Obviously, there's a giant supporter section. We stood for 90 minutes. We got to celebrate raising the cup, which was amazing. And obviously, as you said, new manager. Coming back, seeing Mark Hughes was sacked. I got to watch um, Ralph Hasenhutl's first game when I was at the airport on the way home. And then, obviously, Ralph Hasenhutl's first home game. I went to the Arsenal bar today and got to see us win. Um, Every Arsenal fan at that bar was really annoyed at me for cheering. But they were all very accepting at the end that we deserved to win. They were all extremely nice to me. They were really, really friendly. So I guess it's all fun and games until you lose. But they were really nice. And it was extremely, extremely fun. And it's nice to see our first home win in eight months. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'll be really honest. The three months that you were on the, on the, the boat, you didn't miss much. Like, <laughs> it wasn't great. So, so don't worry. Um, I'm glad you're back, though. And uh, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, MLS Cup final last week. No, it's not the Premier League, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I think that stadium had the, or that game had the largest attendance. That match had the largest attendance of any match that took place last weekend. I think. Yeah, uh, I believe it was seventy three thousand nineteen was the attendance. It sold out an American football stadium. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, and uh, a very nice football stadium. Um. I watched the the majority of the match. I had it on. I wasn't paying super close attention, but anyway, I am still kind of in, in shock and in awe a little bit uh, about what happened this morning. The game kicked off at five 30 for me. I'm frantically switching between topics. I apologize, but yeah, I'm, I'm still struggling to kind of put it all in perspective. It's, you know, what 35 minutes after, after the end of the match and it's still kind of uh, yeah, it's still fresh, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, but I mean, let's let's jump into uh, just Instagram a little bit. I think last time I talked to you, you were running the Saints Voice. You were you were the co-admin there. Um, now you you've taken over. But tell us a little bit about the pages that you help out on, and kind of like what that experience has been like so far. So on the Saints Voice, um, I used to be a co-admin with another guy, Josh. Sorry, my sister just got home. Sorry. Right. Um, um, on the Saints Voice, I am the sole admin. I just. I run that page myself. That's that's like my pride and joy. I love running that page. That's more of my score updates and news page. Um, I love running that. It's like my personal thing that I've done. I like having like I guess discussions with people, and that's my more live stream page that I enjoy doing live streams on. Versus on the Southampton FC page, the one with two ends. I I'm a co-admin with another guy who doesn't really like to be named as much. 
Um, I'm like the second guy I post score updates because I can watch the game and he doesn't always isn't always able to because obviously in the UK they're not always allowed to show the games just due to legal restrictions. Uh-huh. And so he posts a lot more news and like more just different like updates about like Hassanudel's comments and interviews and stuff like that versus I do a lot more score updates. So it's like I'm more the score guy and he's a lot more the news guy. So it's really really fun and especially since obviously I'm from the United States. It's fun. He said he, the reason he asked me was because I'm from a different continent and it's cool to get a different voice from a different continent to get a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's it is it is different. I mean, my living on the West Coast of the United States, I have a a different perspective, I guess, than than a lot of the fans that are at the stadium each week. It's I don't know. Sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you get up super early. That's really impressive. And it's like I thank you. But like I. It's, I don't think it's as hard as, as some of these people that are traveling an hour and a half each way, sitting through the rain, going out in the cold. Like I'm relatively comfortable. Yes, it's early, but it's not, it's not that bad. So I, sometimes I just have to remind myself that like the perspectives are different. And like, if I feel for the home fans a lot, obviously not today, I wish I could have been there, but like when they are upset and things like that, and I'm, I'm not as much because I am, you know, I, it hasn't cost me as much. It cost me for the to watch the games all season on NBC Sports Gold. It cost me basically one or two match tickets, you know. And so it's uh, if I was to attend. So it's not it, the cost is not the same. The 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 toll it takes, I, I would imagine, is not the same. Although I will admit that I get really really upset if we lose. Um, my kids and can tell you that. How about the away match tickets? Like the fans who go to the away games. And having to sit through most of that stuff. Like, how about all the fans who went to the Man City game? I feel horrible for those people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there are some people out there who haven't missed matches in like 200, you know, consecutive competitive matches. And it's just that, that that's a whole new level of impressive. But like, like you said, the, it is nice to get a different view sometimes. And, um, I've been very happy with the, the reception of the, of the podcast over. Obviously, this is the 101st episode. So it's been a while, but, uh, a lot of people are, are mostly supportive. There are very few who are basically tell me that I don't belong to to do that, but the internet has those people and that's just fine. Um, Absolutely. And we just need to, to keep, I mean, keep doing what we're doing and uh, I, I don't know, I'm enjoying it. But um, obviously today, the match against Arsenal, we saw a lot of changes in terms of the style of play, um, in terms of a, a few different maybe additions to the squad. And, and this was a squad uh, today that we were missing several players that we would have assumed would have been starting, but just those changes, obviously Ralph Hassan has been in charge for 10 days at the time of recording. Um, but he's already brought a, a number of changes. Um, and I just want to ask, like, I don't know if you saw during the week, they, they canceled the days off and a lot of the players were speaking to the media about stuff. And Hassan has been speaking to the players individually, kind of one-on-one and, and not, not, not one every day necessarily or more than one every day, but he's been going through the kind of kind of going through the squad. And a lot of those players have been coming out and talking and, you know, from all reports indicate that he canceled the day off and nobody complained that everybody was kind of okay with that. And I think that shows maybe a little bit of the, the relationship that he's brought and um, the message that he has, he's, he's obviously clearly communicating to, to the players. Yeah. From what I've been getting is one of the big things I heard is he's training them a lot harder and they seem to, feel like more pressure to win under him versus Mark Hughes. And I really, really like that. And on the today's lineup, I really, really love the 3-4-3. Vestergaard was so much better this week. 
the goal that this Mikatarian's second goal that went off Vestergaard, there is nothing Vestergaard could have done about that. That was just a totally unfortunate deflection, completely unfortunate. Um, but I love the lineup. The the defenders improved so much today. This was a the guys played so so well, and obviously I'm really really happy with the way McCarthy performed. And honestly, I love the way that Hasenhutel, as you said, is communicating with the players. He's really like he's got more of a personal relationship with them, and I really really love that. He's playing younger guys. He's getting more guys. Like I love how he put Tyreek Johnson on the bench. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just thinking about the week leading up to training, uh, or leading up to the match, you you spoke kind of a little bit about the, about the training, and yeah, it, it seemed like all the players that were that have spoken to the media have said, you know, there's more sprints, it's more intense, there's more. He wants us to apply pressure, but also he is taking the time to make sure that everybody understands their job when we have the ball, when we lose the ball, when we don't have the ball, where we go, and the whole team is kind of moving in there. And that because the practices are so much more intense, it requires you to be sharper. It requires you to kind of, um, you know, just, just be tuned in that much more. And I think that over time, obviously we can't speak because it's only been, it's been two matches, but there were moments today where you could have seen the team under previous management kind of zone out a little bit, kind of take their foot off the gas and not be, um, not, not be in the moment. And, and therefore you kind of lose that, that in-game kind of sharpness, and then and then you wind up, you know, conceding a, a, a needless goal. And I think the one moment where we saw that today could have been uh, when Romeu kind of got got the ball taken off him on the edge of the area uh, that led to the goal that deflected off of uh, off of Vestergaard. But I mean, other than that, the the team was was sharp today, and this the team was um, intense, and the team pressed, and I and I really enjoyed it. But we'll get to that. I did not, not actually completely realize Lamina was injured. I was surprised not to see him in the lineup until I was informed that he was injured. It was great to see Ings back in the lineup. Very nice to see that. In the Arsenal, when I saw their lineup, I was surprised at the by them doing a back three. When I was talking to the fans at the bar, they were shocked to see a back three, and they thought that would be potentially their downfall. So it was nice to see that. Well, I mean... What, from what I heard discussed earlier in the week, because they were missing uh, Socrates and Mustafi uh, and, and holding, they were basically down to really one central defender in, in, in Koscielny, and he hadn't played a Premier League game in something like seven months, I think. So they didn't really have anybody that I think Emery felt uh, comfortable with playing as a partner to him in a back in a back four. So you Only had Nanny, who hadn't played all season, hadn't played a minute for the team. Yeah, so I think you, 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 you cheat a little bit, and it's essentially like I would much rather have Ryan Bertrand as a left as a left center back in a back three than as a, a center back in a back four. You know, so you can bring those Absolutely. guys in to do that. Licksteiner can do that job. Um, <laughs> Jaka attempted to do that job, um, and eventually he goes away from it. Um, whether it's uh, through injury uh, that he's forced away from it, or it's just because of um, the kind of lack of. Uh, game. I guess the, how the game was going, the fact that we were able to get through them. But I think that really benefited us, obviously, not just because they were a little bit looser at the back, but because all of a sudden we could, um, we could offer our our wingbacks slightly more protection. I didn't think Valerie or Target looked very good as a in, in a back four last week. We saw Valerie get subbed off uh, and things like that. So because of that, I think that the the three four three suited us today, 
especially since Lamina was out, it allowed us to, uh, you know, fill in in that spot without having to kind of bring somebody in who was like, now I have nothing against Davis or, or James or Prowse or anything like that, but like you, they didn't really fit the, the intense kind of game plan. I don't think, and I think Romeo and Hoiberg really kind of, uh, in terms of the midfielders that were available embody the kind of spirit that, that, uh, Hassan Hoodle wants to, to bring. So I thought that it was a good lineup for us. Um, Although, you know, initial, I, I woke up at 4.30 to see it and kind of went like, what's happening? And then, you know, you start to figure out Lamina's uh, got a bit of a knock and these people are out and these people are injured. And so uh, it all kind of makes sense once you kind of put it all in perspective, I think. Absolutely agreed. After last week's performance, I was a bit concerned about Vestergaard, not going to lie. But he proved me wrong. He had a very solid game again for this week. Yeah, and I, I think that just comes back to, you know, the the mentality that was there potentially under the, under the last manager where, and, and I think we all do it. it. It's something that you've done a thousand times. You, he's made that back pass, stepped in front of a, a of an oncoming forward and just like lightly tapped it back to the goalkeeper probably hundreds if not thousands of times, whether it's in practice or in a game. And, you know, he just wasn't fully committed to it, made a mistake. And that's, I think under Hassan Hoodle, that, that stuff, will, we will hopefully start to see a change. And if that's the case, I, you know, man, I... I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of kind of what uh, I saw today and and I don't know like heading into the game you went down to the bar with a bunch of Arsenal fans but like what was the mood did any of them see this as a potential stumbling block since they hadn't lost in you know over twenty two or twenty three matches whatever it was I think Arsenal definitely it definitely is going to hurt them especially given how poor Saints form had been they had it they'd won one if I'm not mistaken one game all year. In Premier League play, I think they'd won a couple in cup games, which it, I don't think they'd only won on pens in cup games, which is really, really poor. So losing the Saints is really, really bad for Arsenal. I think that's a really, really bad. But they're going to have to correct themselves really quickly, especially when they go into Europa League and when they play tough teams later this season. Yeah, I mean, I, for one, was trying to temper my expectations. I think that, you know, I wanted to see... I really wish we would have won last week at Cardiff, but the the idea that we were going to come in and after 10 days of, of, of Hassan Hoodle being in charge, that we were going to be able to challenge a team that, you know, definitely has some holes and it definitely is not necessarily playing out of this world football, but playing well enough and getting results and, and doing pretty well. I mean, my, my, my best friend is an Arsenal fan. Um, he's been pretty happy with it. The, uh, the podcast that he listens to, the Arscast, um, has been fairly con- constructive in terms of dealing with Arsenal, and and they've been fairly positive, which um, they weren't always under, under under Wenger and things like that. It wasn't full on uh, AFTV or anything, but it was. There were some days where it was like, man, they are they are angry, and um, I don't know. Like I I was I was super super happy with with what happened today, and. I think that it, it bodes well for us moving forward in the future because there are going to be tough matches. But if we play like we did today, uh, I, I can't see very many teams uh, getting one over on us. And even if they do, I don't think the fans are going to be upset. Absolutely agreed. I mean, today's performance was absolutely phenomenal. I cannot complain. If we lose any team playing like we did today, you just got to tip your cap to them that today's a phenomenal performance. Um. So, I mean... Start of the match, we we come out. I I was kind of tempering my expectations a little bit. Obviously, I, I said that it was a uh, more like 
just don't get too excited. Know that we have a long season ahead and this is still a work in progress. And I think part of it for me was I didn't want anybody to, you know, say like, oh man, the manager's been in charge 10 days. There's nothing different. We still, you know, players suck. We suck. Everything sucks. You know, we're going down. Like I didn't want that after, after two matches, you know? So part of it for me was Arsenal are good. They're playing well. If we lose today, so be it. We're just looking for signs of change and signs of improvement. And the team just surprised the hell out of me. Totally agreed. I mean, coming into this match, I mean, on one, I predicted either a draw or just a narrow defeat. I mean, I'm just, I was being realistic given our form and just given we hadn't had enough time at, with Hasanoodle. I love this team to death, but just given our recent form and given how good Arsenal had been, I was hoping for a draw. And that's just that's just not trying to downplay the team. That's just being at my that point realistic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and now given the result, the win, we are out of the relegation zone, and it's. I mean, that is that feels good. I mean, we still have a lot of work to do. It's still a long, long season, uh, but the fact that we are no longer in the relegation zone is just uh, something that I. Frankly, I didn't see happening for some time. And we were in real danger of it taking us two wins to get out of the relegation zone. Had we had we lost today, you know, we're we're in danger of dropping further and further uh, behind. And, you know, just yeah. So. um, All right. So, I mean, on kickoff. The the team, what was said during the week, how the players seem to feel to the media and whether that's just media talk or whether that's the actual truth. Um, you know, you could kind of see the energy in them. You could, you can kind of feel the energy in, in the stadium, uh, from some of the people that I was, I was talking to via, via text message, like it, everything felt a little bit better. Uh, the fans got free beer or some of the fans got free beer from Ralph Haas and Hoodle. So, uh, that was nice. So, I mean, all the positivity that's around the ground that is, you know, with the fans at home and that we're all kind of looking forward to seeing from the club, Aubameyang gets that ball played over the top to him really early. Uh, and suddenly you realize that you have, you know, one of the most informed strikers um, in the Premier League, and one of the most dangerous goal scorers in the Premier League running at a back line that doesn't contain a whole lot of pace. Uh, it's going to be Yoshida's job to basically stay with him. It's worrying, I think, to a lot of people. He gets a shot off. McCarthy comes up with a big save. And I think it's, it took some work, I think, from from me at least to kind of remind myself that, like, you know, Maybe we got away with it, but I think really it's just these things are going to happen. Arsenal are going to create chances. We are going to have to come up with saves from McCarthy with um, defensive kind of uh, interventions at some point. And so it was okay. And and from there, I thought we really were the better team moving forward for the next 10 or 15 minutes. Absolutely agreed. I think that Aubameyang chance really woke the team up and showed that we, if we want to do well, we need to wake ourselves up. We're not going to continue playing like this. We're going to give up goals. We're going to fall way behind, and we're going to lose if we keep playing like this. Yeah, I mean, and then it was really, really nice to see that the players, as they went to press, you could see everybody was going. And at one point, they did. Arsenal did play through it, um, but then you could see also every single Saints player you know, busting to get back, to get behind the ball, to uh, hold up play. And, and eventually Vestergaard makes the block on Mkhitaryan's shot. Um, but th- 
you know, there were again, like just like you said, there are going to be moments when when we are going to be opened up, caught out. It happens to all, you know, I would say but the best teams and even the best teams uh, on on some days and, and at some points. But I mean, that I think just showed that there was something different because under Hughes, I think we would have seen a lot of guys jogging back, hoping somebody else gets there. Um, and, and that didn't happen today that there was such an intense effort for the first 45 minutes that I wasn't sure we were going to be able to keep it up in the second half, but I really wasn't really worried about it either. I thought that, that, you know, whatever is going to happen in that dressing room, like the players and and the manager, they have to kind of figure this out. And I mean, I think the, I think the fans helped today. I think they were, they were all about it, but like, I don't know. Um, and, and then leading up to the first goal, I think I, I screamed and yelled and woke everybody up. I. I don't usually curse on my Twitter timeline and and it happened and it was kind of all in the moment. But um, what was the, what was the noise like or what was the feeling like as we scored that first goal when, when target put that ball in for, for Ings um, on, on a plate, by the way, that was just beautiful. Like, what- that was a, that was an absolutely phenomenal ball. Of course I was going absolutely crazy and they were like, everyone was just looking at me like, what are you doing? But then they, they were like, everyone was like, that's just a great ball. Poor, poor defending, but that's just a phenomenal ball. You got to stop that cross. But yeah. they were like, they were like, hey, credit, you actually scored. We got to give you credit. And they were like, they were happy for me because Southampton never scores. So, but I was going absolutely berserk, like all the Manchester United and Liverpool fans, because that's also Liverpool. That's their official bar as well, just in the other room. Okay. Manchester United has a small support there, but they have another bar downtown. They were pretty happy because they all hate Arsenal. They're the Arsenal fans there, and the Arsenal fans like had their hands in their heads, basic heads in their hands, basically. Yeah, I mean, but I was going berserk. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was great. Like the target did well to get the ball out of his feet fairly quickly. He looked up, he found Ings, he saw where Ings wanted the ball, he put it on on the spot, um, and Ings did you know what what Danny Ings does, and that that was uh, uh that was great. Um. And I mean, no goalkeeper in the world is going to stop that sh- that header. No, that is an absolutely phenomenal header. No, um, I mean, some of the things like in the build up to that, or or in the moments leading up to that, the minutes leading up to that, um, we had Redmond kind of running at their defense again, and you have Redmond running at either Granite Jaka or uh, Licksteiner, um, both of which I will I will take, and I wouldn't say that we looked necessarily super sharp like i think we were still a step behind for for moments of the match and you could see that because there were there, there was a i want to say a two or three minute period before we scored that i think referee played advantage two or three times for arsenal and i thought that potentially both of them could have been bookings because they were fairly they were late they were not clumsy but they were hard challenges that were stepped in whether it's down the back of somebody's ankles or across somebody's somebody's shins or whatever it is um, but I was a little bit worried about maybe the booking starting to pile up or whatever, but really it, they didn't. And, and I just, I think as the game grew on that the players got more and more into it and up for it and that they, I don't know, they, they just really, I guess, understood and embodied what the manager wanted them to do. Uh, and they took that kind of passion that we haven't seen and they just, they, they ran with it. Yeah, whoever the ref was had a. I really thought he had a really good game. I thought he was solid and consistent. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I like watching football when it's being played, and so I think that's what happened today. Um, and you know, 
this is an Arsenal team that midfield that they had in in Guendouzi and and Torreira, um, that is not the kind of soft Arsenal, you know, free flowing kind of midfield. That is a that's a tough tackling um, kind of give it right back to you type of of of, def, uh, of midfield. And so to watch them play against Romeo and and Hoiberg in that battle all day, I thought we did really really well. I thought Stuart Armstrong did really really well. Um, he got us out of a couple of tough situations, just getting the ball out for a play uh, out of play for, for a throw for us, or just holding the ball up long enough and just easing off some pressure that he uh, was able to, to do that. So, um, I mean, up through the, the 21st minute, uh, as we scored, we had had more shots, we'd had more shots on target. Um, it was hard to kind of see that coming as a, as a fan. When we went into the match, I figured if we were going to play with a back three, it was going to be more of a of a five four one than a than a three four three, and we were yeah. going to be under pressure a lot. And and really, like we we took the game to them, and it was free flowing. That was probably the best game of football that's been at St. Mary's. Um, I would say longer than eight months. I would say probably since since Kuman. I would not say that people have enjoyed football at St. Mary's that much. And I want to go back to one of your earlier statements. I think basically the whole team played well today, especially. You know who's been really solid this season? Redmond. Yeah. He has improved so much. You were talking about how his pace and he's been attacking defenders. I love it. Ever since that conversation with Guardiola based sort of attacking him and telling him to play better, oh my lord, has he improved. I love it. I love it. I love it. He's been so awesome. And I'm sorry I keep repeating that phrase, but he's been amazing. I'm really happy to see that out of him. No, no, don't 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 apologize. I mean, he spoke I think to the Saints media team and it came out that he was really disappointed in how things went for himself last year. He was at a low point, both in terms of performance and confidence and everything else. He came out to Los Angeles over the summer and he worked on himself. And I think he has both mentally and physically um, not reinvented himself because I think he had all of this when he got to Southampton, but he had lost it. And so he's found it again. And he is one of the players that I enjoy watching the most. And, for a long time, I think I've said that, but I've also felt like maybe I'm only saying that because the team just isn't fun to watch. Like there isn't a lot of things to be excited about. So you take like, you know, you take Redmond because he can actually run at people and he can actually create things. But even today in a team that was getting forward and attacking and making things happen, he was still one of the bright spots and just watching him just just step around uh, Xhaka and then slip by Gunduzi and then slip the ball out uh, towards target just... You know, nothing came of that particular move, but it didn't matter. Like he is just making it fun to watch. He's encouraging and and get, seeing the fans get behind him a little bit uh, was was nice. And I know there's been an effort, at least on my small uh, corner of Twitter that I operate in, and see he he's been getting more and more support rather than uh, last year, uh, where he was getting a lot of abuse. But um, he did go off injured today. Hopefully, it's nothing serious because we can't really afford to lose him. But Arsenal did create a couple of chances. There was an intervention from Benrak on the goal line. There were a couple of goal mouth scrambles. Um, and the lead only lasted for eight minutes uh, as it was. And it wound up being a fairly similar goal uh, across from the left wing, obviously. Not exactly the same. And, and Mkhitaryan was fairly uh, a bit further out. And he was kind of just standing open in space. And I think that, that that's one of those things. That's one of those moments where if if we switched off for a second, if we didn't communicate the way... Uh, Hassan Hudel had wanted and we didn't move that way in terms of a defensive unit. I think that's something that's going to be replayed for the entire team and that will be broken down 
that will be gone over and we will hopefully see that start to, to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Whereas I think last year under Hughes, he would have just kind of said like, Hey, you have to do better. And then moved on with his day. You know, I think that's the, it seems to be it's speculation at some point reading into people's comments and stuff, but it seems to be like that is what is happening at the club now versus what was happening before. Definitely. And I think watching um, and rewatching Mkhitaryan's first goal, um, it was definitely, it was a completely free header. There was no one on him. And Bednarek was, I think, looked like he was really, really far out, like way wider than he usually is. And it looked like Vestergaard and Yoshida were way out on the, I think it was the left flank. Um, so it looked like he was really, really, really open. And so I didn't really think he had much support. And he was really, really open and had a wide open header and he was able to bury it easily. And McCarthy had no chance at it. No, not at all. Not at all. Just after that, I think we had a challenge from Bednarak that got just a little bit of a touch to get it away from Aubameyang. Otherwise, Arsenal might have been up. But yep. we wind up going ahead um, with a cross from Redmond to Ings. And that's a completely different type of header. And I think all of our goals today were headers. I think there were two headers were. from Ings and one from Austin. And uh, Ings' second goal, that, that like long looping header into like kind of the far corner, like Leno did, couldn't do anything about it. It was just he was frozen. Um, and you're just hoping at that point that it doesn't like, it doesn't come off the bar, that it doesn't kind of hit the bottom of the bar and bounce straight down and not go in. And when it settled in there, it was just, I mean, the, I don't want to say relief, but just the joy that it brought me as a, as somebody who's generally not used to that happening. I was just beyond kind of words and to go in at halftime and be up two to one, it's not unfamiliar to Arsenal but there's only so many times you can come back and, and kind of make up for being down at that point. But the, this is a point I think, and I, I think we keep saying this basically, but like this is a point where we would have been last year, just wondering when it was going to happen, that we were going to lose this. Like when, when, when is the goal coming? That's going to kill it for us. And I didn't feel that as much going into halftime. There was a little bit of like, not worry, but like there's a little bit of, yeah, the possibilities there. Arsenal has been here before, but like, there was something different about it today. And, and I think that that is maybe the most, maybe the most positive thing you can actually say about the whole thing. And I think um, going into halftime, I was really positive seeing that Ings goal and seeing Burn Leno just flat footed was awesome. Um, I was really, really positive going into halftime. It was really, really enjoying about seeing a lead at halftime. Um, I felt like we could potentially give up that second goal, but I always felt like we had a good chance just based on the way we had been playing. I feel like if it had been last year under either Pellegrino or Hughes, we would have just sat back and tried to park the bus and defend the lead. But I'm so happy Hostinado continued to press. Even though we gave up that second goal, we kept pressing and pressing, and I loved that. And it made me feel really, really good about the way the team was playing. It made me feel like, they changed and I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the possession stats and things weren't necessarily great. Um, just simply because Arsenal had a lot of the ball, but it didn't matter. Like we had more shots. We had more shots on target. We made use, we made better use of the ball. And I think that is something that under the last couple of managers, we haven't done. Like you said, we've been prone to parking the bus and once that lead goes away and we've already flipped the switch from basically offense to defense. And there was no, there was no turning it back on. And today, because we continue to kind of play the same type of football all the way through the match, um, even late on when we were 
kind of hoofing it forward, getting it clear, we were still applying pressure to uh, whoever had the ball uh, on, on the Arsenal team. And I think that, that, that that's just a huge, huge change. But coming into the second half, obviously we're ahead 2-1 and Bellerin, they have to bring Bellerin off because uh, of injury. And that means that now they have to switch to a back four. They bring Lacazette on, which means that it is, if you can hear the dog and the kids whistling, um, it's okay because we won and I'm happy. Um, but just the, uh, the fact that Bellerin's off the pitch means that they don't have that pace, that outlet. They're forced to switch uh, positions and they have to bring Xhaka back to play, play center back alongside Koscielny. And so now I think that back line is, is fairly vulnerable. Obviously, though, Monreal, very, very good. Uh, Licksteiner, very, very good. You don't play for the number of teams that he's played for without being good, but he just doesn't offer kind of the pace uh, that, that Bellerin does. And so I think that that helps target just a little bit. And the communication is just not going to be there with Koscielny, who hasn't played for seven months, uh, and, and, and Jaka playing center back, who is, is a midfielder. And um, I think has a reputation as being like a, a tough tackling kind of breakup play midfielder. I think actually his, his best kind of uh, attribute is the fact that he can, he can pass the ball really, really well, and he can move play really, really well. Um, and uh, 40 yards uh, over the net. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, that I thought was good, but I was worried because Lacazette was coming on and he's been, um, I mean, dangerous going forward. I mean, he, he was probably captained by um, a number of people this week. And I will not admit on here that I was one of them. I was, I was a little bit worried, but also I thought that, that at the same time, we were just going to keep playing the game we were playing and we were going to make them earn it. And, and in the end, they couldn't. Um, I didn't think we looked as sharp coming out of, uh, out of halftime though. Um, and I know that, that everybody put in a huge shift in the first half and it's always kind of, can you come out and do that again in the second half? Uh, but I thought, I thought we did, I thought we did just fine. Redmond did pull up at some point with somewhat of a hamstring issue and he went off the pitch almost immediately. Uh, so we brought long on to replace him. You know, you see long and Austin eventually come on and you, you want, you wonder or worry, you know, what, how are the fans going to react to that? Austin's have had a fairly poor relationship with the fans other than his, his VAR uh, rant uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I think his, his wife has said some things on Twitter. He says some things on Twitter. Um, and so it hasn't, hasn't gone over very much. I know there's been a lot of QPR fans giving us stuff and, and, and all that, but anyway, um, anything else like leading up to, to their goal that, that we think we made a mistake in other than Romeo giving the ball away on the edge of the area. Uh, anything other than that, that, that you thought that we could have done maybe a little bit better. Obviously that Mkhitaryan goal was unfortunate. That Romeo mistake could have was very costly. As I said earlier, that bet the deflection on Vestgaard had it not deflected on Vestgaard. I think McCarthy would have saved it. That deflection on Vestgaard was so unfortunate. There is literally nothing he could have done about that at all. Um, there was a chance on a counter after a corner for Iwobi. He had an op- he had a very good chance at a curler and missed it like 10 yards over the bar. Thank God for that. That would have made it 3-2. And then, obviously, that long to Austin. You get Austin his 150th career goal. Boy, that was a pinpoint ball and header. That was, a, a, that was a great goal. And Leno got a slight touch on it, but it did not affect it enough to make – and Charlie finished that header. There was a moment where – 
I think Lacazette closed down McCarthy. McCarthy almost lost the ball. There was nobody in goal for a second. And you were just thinking, this is, this is it. This is the dagger that goes in and, and this is going to change the game. And I think eventually we just applied enough pressure. We closed them down enough to, and eventually Vestergaard was able to poke the ball away. And then we all kind of settled back in and, and just continued to play. And like those, I think those are the moments where you can see just the little bit of uh, uh, sharpness, the little bit of extra fitness, the little bit of extra desire that whether it's a combination of the fans and the manager and the mentality and everything kind of shifting, you can see it in those moments that, and I think they, they really are working to kind of change the game and keep us in the game. And then you see all of the players kind of uh, getting together and not necessarily getting on one another, but, but reminding each other that this, you know, they have a job to do and this is what you, this is where you need to be. And this is how you need to be, uh, approaching this. And when I do this, you have to go here. And I think all of those little things are showing up and it's amazing that it's happening after just 10 days when it's been three years of kind of sliding the other way. Yeah. And I think we forgot a couple key moments that I wanted to add in real quick. Number one was that offside goal by long off that corner. Oh, that's right. That would have been a game changer. Obviously it was ruled off. Thank God we scored that third goal still, but Another thing was Ansley Maitland-Niles still coming in. He added a lot of pace on that right side for Alex Steiner, but still he took away that veteran experience, which did hurt. But he added that pace, which helped. So it kind of, um, I guess, neutralized in the end for Arsenal. And even though he played like 30 seconds, it was really nice seeing Tyreek Johnson get on for a debut. Yeah. Obviously, it's always awesome seeing academy players get in the side. Like I'm sure Callum Slattery is going to get in later this year, and I love seeing the academy products get in with Hassan Hoodle. I love it. It's great to see that. Yeah, and I think the uh, the thing with Johnson coming on is um, the the manager was just impressed with the way what he saw in the under twenty three match earlier this week, and if that's what it takes, like you know you played well, here's your shot. Like if it's that simple and it's that clear cut, and now all of those academy players are seeing that. And all of the first team players are seeing that all of a sudden now there is just the realization that, that nobody here is, is comfortable. Nobody is guaranteed a place, but if you go out and prove it, you're going to be on the pitch. And what I tend to think will happen is that you will get the same players on the pitch because they are going to prove it now. Um, or, I think that's that's more likely to be the scenario rather than us having this kind of constantly rotating like clan of players coming in. I think you're going to see the players that really do have the quality show it each and every week. And that will, I think, provide a bit more cohesion, but also provide a bit more fire for them because they are going to have pressure from uh, the others in the squad that everybody is actually going to be competing for a place rather than um, Benrack just, you know, not making the bench and Romeo just, you know, having to request to play with the under 23s because he can't even get a look in. And, those kind of things, like as, as much as I would want it to be behind Hughes when he came in, and I think I, I was because that's just how I am. I think that as the time goes on and as some of these stories come out, it's it's harder and harder to justify that style of management and and really look at the damage that he did to to some of these players and to the club. I think, and um, it wasn't all him. There were a lot of other things going on, but um, just that that idea of once the players stop believing they can even get in the squad, like. That that's not okay with me. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, Ozo came in, and there's been a lot of. 
I don't know. There's been a lot of talk with him in terms of, of, of his role in this Arsenal team and where he fits. He hasn't been starting matches. He didn't make a couple of, uh, of, of lineups, period. He didn't make the bench in a couple of matches. Um, they said it was a back injury. Uh, who, who really knows? But watching him come in and just the kind of the grace that it brings to, to Arsenal, I was worried because I just didn't know if we could. I, I figured we could win a, a physical battle. I didn't know if we could win the uh, uh, that type of a, of a match, but ultimately it wasn't enough for them, and and I enjoyed that. And I also thought that somebody was going to get booked just laying one in on them. Um, but you know, that's kind of just how it goes. Definitely, I still don't know how much of a future he has under Unai Emery just because of the style they play. But as you said, he plays a graceful style, and I really do enjoy watching him play. We we did speak about the uh, the last goal, the Charlie Austin to to Shane Long goal, and there was one moment where we were kind of breaking out. Uh, Long won the ball back, and the first thing he did was turn around and pass it backwards. And that was the first moment in the match that I noticed that there was a little bit of a groan, and then everybody kind of caught themselves and said, "Like, oh, like it doesn't matter. Like we're still going forward." And I think there there are going to be those habits, those moments in games where the habits that we developed under the previous managers are going to come in and it's going to take some conscious effort from the players and from the fans and everybody else to realize that we are moving forward. And sometimes it's okay to play the ball backwards like that. I think that is important to note. Like you can't always risk losing the ball. If people are out of position, you just have to keep possession for, uh, you know, 10 or 15 seconds just to allow everybody to set up and then you can start moving the ball, um, around. But, um, when when that ball fell along and he was driving forward, I thought for sure he was going to have a shot, and I thought for sure he was going to injure somebody in the seventeenth row. Um, but that cross he put in, like you mentioned, was just so so perfect. It was just out of reach of Leno. It was on Charlie Austin's head. It was exactly where he wanted it. And and when that ball went in, I at that point I really believe that we were gonna we were gonna do it. I didn't think that there was gonna be the chance for Arsenal to come back into it. I just thought that that was going to be too much confidence. St. Mary's was so loud. There was no chance that was ever happening. Same here. That was the best moment. That was just insane. Seeing how the crowd reacted, seeing how Austin reacted, seeing Shane Long's just pure joy. It was awesome. He fits that system so well. I'm so happy to see him just do that. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that some of us are going to have to get over the fact that we don't really like Long that much. I think that, that you know, some of us have been slating him for some time, but uh, I think he's going to, I think we're going to see some more of him simply because he is, he fits that system and he's going to be the guy that comes in and can run at people and, and do all of those things. So um, yeah. Um, but we are running towards the end of time. And um, I don't know if I mentioned on the actual recording, uh, we are going on, it's not really a long vacation, but it's long enough. And so we are leaving immediately after we record this. Um, so you want to jump to some questions? Sure thing. Let's do it. All right. And just a reminder, everybody can send in questions, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, however you want. Um, but if you want to get priority for getting your questions answered, you can do so by joining uh, to support the show on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash SFC. Delivery. There are other benefits that go along with it. Uh, if you want to do that and you help keep the show running and ad free and all of that stuff, but there is no pressure whatsoever um, because we'd really, I just like doing the show. So um, we'll jump to some of the Patreon questions here. Uh, Kevin McKee sent in two of them. Uh, so we'll take a look. It says, What are the chances of us seeing one or two gems from the Bundesliga joining us in January? So uh, can we'll I ask st- that one first? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I actually follow Leipzig in the Bundesliga because I just do. Um, I believe there are so many gems there. Some of the guys we've been linked at, whether they're current or former Leipzig players, would fit the system perfectly. Dio Upamecano, one of their central defenders, is a phenomenal prospect. He was linked with Barca, Real Madrid. If we could get him, he's no longer linked with them. He's linked with us now. Oh, my Lord, would that be an amazing signing. Davi Selka, former Leipzig, current um, Hertha Berlin player, really solid striker. I think he'd fit perfectly. And if we need a target striker, we've also been linked with Yusuf Paulson from Leipzig. I think that would be great. I think Hassan Udal has a really good sense of the Bundesliga, and he knows exactly what he wants in the Bundesliga. I think he'd be a part he knows, and I think he'd be able to sign some really good players. Like, he did a really good job at scouting from lower-level leagues, whether it be the Bundesliga, the Austrian Bundesliga. I think he knows what he's doing. All right. I'll be honest, and I don't watch a lot of the Bundesliga. Um, but I think that we are going to have to look somewhere to find players, and whether it comes from within England or outside, I think it's it's always a little bit cheaper to get people from outside of England. Um, but at the same time, I don't think we're going to see a huge influx of players until we clear out some of what we have already. You know, um, Hassan Hudel has has stated that the uh, the team is just bloated. There's a lot of people in the squad. He wants to see. He's going to want to see some of these people that are out on loan as well. Um, so it's going to take uh, just a little bit to to sort that out. And maybe it doesn't happen in January, but I definitely think that potentially over the uh, over the summer there will be. And you know, we've already gotten Vestergaard in. Um, of course, Hoiberg came as well from from the from the Bundesliga. So it seems like we're already looking there a little bit. Um, but it's just going to take, like I said, probably some time and. And Hassan Hudel will, along with the, the scouting department, kind of figure out uh, what the best fit is and who those players are and where we really need uh, to find some new players. And I think we'll do that. Um, Kevin McKee also asks, if you're going to play a pressing style of football, surely Shane Long is perfect for that. We've kind of discussed this already, but uh, not sure what the question is there. So, I mean, just to reiterate, do, do you think he really fits this system? Uh, and, and do you think we'll see more of him moving forward? Uh, yes. Um, he's not, as we've seen, a pure goal scorer. He's a perfect winger in the system as a perfect presser. He obviously isn't that target striker, but he's a perfect job at pressing and running around. He's kind of like that Nathan Redmond. He gives you the cross. If you need every once in a while, he can score you a goal, but he'll press and he'll run and he'll run. I love that about him. All right. All right. Rob, who is another patron. Thank you, Rob. Um, he says, what do you think is our best defense under Hassan Hoodle? And who would you sell out of our current crop in January? Um, our best defense, although people don't want to hear it, um, I think who we played today was a fantastic group. I think they played really, really well today. Um, I don't like who. I mean, he's had some solid games, but he's been so inconsistent. Extremely, extremely inconsistent. I just don't know if he has a massive future here. And I think we have so many guys in the academy who deserve a first-team chance. I think it's very possible he could get sold. Would not shock me whatsoever. Um, realistically, some of the older guys could go as well, but that's just my view, honestly. What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, defensively, I think I stuck up for Hoot for a long time. He he enjoys having the ball at his feet a little bit too much. He doesn't seem to have the best decision-making. That being said, I don't think a lot of our defenders 
played very well under under Mark Hughes. I think we were, they were all pretty poor. Um, but I I I think I would still argue that he was uh, other than the two own goals the best one, and okay. because of that, I'm not sure where he fits in now or if, if he was playing poorly under under Hughes and and not getting in the team there. I couldn't really see him coming back in now because he doesn't quite fit that 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 style and that system. Um, I do think we're rather slow uh, in, in the center back area. I don't, I'm not sure we have the, the pace to keep up, but I, I like the, I like some of the options that we do have. I do think Bednarak is, is good now and is going to be really, really good and has the potential to develop um, very, very well. And I think that because he's starting for Poland and because even though they were relegated from their nations league group, I think that the fact that he's playing week in week out for them uh, on all the breaks and stuff like that, I think that's going to be good for him moving forward. Um, if we were going to play a back three, I'd be okay with the three we put out today. Um, I don't think if you swap one of them out for Stevens, it changes all of that all that much. Um, I'm not sure who gets back in there right now. If we were going to play a back four, um, I think based off today, it would have to be Vestergaard and and Benarak. Um But if you if you chose Yoshida and Benarak, I'm not sure anybody would would be that upset. Agreed. All right. We have uh, a couple of questions that did not come in from patrons. So we'll, we'll address those and we'll kind of wrap it up. And I feel like I've been all over the place and I think I'm just excited about a lot of different things because of from everything from the win to the fact that uh, we're going on whatever I'm going on right now. And the fact that there are people moving around, which is not normal. um, If I record at like five in the morning, which is not five in the morning, obviously. So Ben, who was on Instagram, there's a long line, and then Ben is his name. And it says, seeing as it looks like Rangers want to buy back Stephen Davis, do you think it will be a good move for all parties concerned? And also, who would you like to see take over as captain, Bertrand, Yoshida, Hoiberg, or someone else? I believe Stephen Davis will go back to Rangers. I just don't. I love him. He's done so much for the club, and I'm thankful for that. He does not. He just doesn't have a future at the club. Um, there are just so many midfield pieces. He, I just don't see him having much game time if any I think he should go back home and I feel like that'd be a good place for him and honestly I think we should have someone young like Hoybeard be the future captain if they gave it to Bertrand I would not complain but I'd rather see it at Hoybeard that's just my opinion yeah I mean I think that Davis moving back to Rangers I I think it's a good move for everybody involved and I think that you lose a lot of veteran leadership in Davis and I think that I, for one, have been, maybe we're quick to forget how good he was under Kuman and how good he was and what role he played for all of those years and realize that he is, he's got a lot of miles on, on, on his legs. And I think that in the past few years, he's gotten a little bit slower. He's lost a bit of pace and he's slowed the game down a little bit. But I also think that having him in training each and every day and having him around some of the players that we have, I think that will have benefited a lot of people that, and we don't see that because we don't see maybe his contributions on the field because we're not, we're not there uh, during practice. And and so a little bit of this is, is speculation, but it's hard to imagine a, a guy like him playing anything other than a role than, than like other than like what Kelvin Davis did when he was at the team, he wasn't starting, um, but his leadership meant something to the team at this point. If he moves to Rangers, 
I think he's happy. I think Rangers are happy. I think overall he leaves on a, on a high with us and, and he leaves and we can then begin to remember the times that we, the good times we had with him instead of the past, maybe season and a half or so that, that maybe hasn't been as great. And I think that will be kind of good for everybody in terms of, of who takes over as captain. Um, I know a lot of people are unhappy with Bertrand having the, the armband at all. Um, and Bertrand is one of my favorite players, but the team doesn't look the same as when Hoiberg has the, has the armband. Um, and I think that now we're past the point where maybe Yoshida has to wear it because there isn't anybody else. I think that having Hoiberg wear that armband as often as possible is going to be great. Um, but I do think that when Bertrand comes back, he will be given the armband back. Agreed. Agreed completely. You know who doesn't get the armband? The oh. dog. <laughs> yeah. Go. That's the best comment. <laughs> And I don't know if you can hear it. He's just like lightly like growling, like not even like growling. Like he thinks there's somebody outside and it's just like, I cannot stand this. Um, we got one more question that just came in from Instagram while we were talking um, via messages. Let's see. It is from, I'll just spell it out. J L O B O U N C I N J Labunson. It's probably oh, terrible. Um, but anyway, it says who should we target to buy or loan in January realistically? Um, so do you have, and we mentioned some of the players from the Bundesliga, do you have somebody else that you would like to see come in that you think could be a a potential and fill in in a spot where we were maybe lacking some depth? Um, honestly, I'm just an extra center defensive mid, um, would be nice or another striker. We need, a second striker, Gabby Dini, I very much expect to be sold. And I don't know how well Chaz and Ings will stay healthy. So I think an extra striker just for health purposes would be nice. That's that's a really good point. Um, I and, don't know who in particular, or just another striker. Yeah, yeah. The the injuries, I, I know the sports science people at Southampton are good, and I know they use all of this technology, and it's something that I, I fully uh, appreciate in him and off because I do not understand how they do it. But you look at guys like Ings and Austin who have struggled with injuries throughout their career. And you look at all of a sudden the, the upturn in intensity and whether they can do that seven days a week or six days a week or however many days a week they have to go into training and they can, they can keep that up and then they can keep it up for 90 minutes during a match without getting injured. I wonder about their bodies breaking down as time goes on and maybe Maybe we're safe this season because we're halfway through and the manager's going to have to give guys off our time off because of, of, of the fixture schedule and, and what's, what's coming. But you wonder, can they do that over the course of an entire season? Um, or or there, are, they, are their bodies going to break down a little bit? So I think that's, that's a, a good point. Um, but at the same time, maybe the upturn in physical kind of requirements for the team are going to mean that they uh, they are in better shape and therefore they don't get injured. But I, I'm just not, I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like I've we've jumped all over the place and it's mostly me, and so I apologize for that. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I have anything else that we would like to to, to add. I had I one know. more question that yeah. I had to ask you, and that I wanted to cover myself as well. 
which is who from the academy do you think is going to get in this year? Jeez, I mean, now it's uh, now it's difficult to say simply because it seems like they all have a shot, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I'm really hoping my first pick, I really hope Slattery gets in. I really think he has a very good chance. You know, if I had to pick one, it, one person that would probably do it, I think it would be him. I think he's been really, really good for a long time. Um, and I think a lot of people have maybe wondered why he's not there so far. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I wonder if, if we look at guys that are out on loan and, and things like that, if they start to come back, you wonder where, how that affects things. If that becomes, uh, if there's more competition there, maybe, I don't know. Uh, you wonder if, if Sims is going to come in, um, or some of these other guys, I think Hesketh is going to come back and if they're going to be able to, uh, to, to force their way in, I think that's all, all the possibility. And I'm currently looking at Tyreek Johnson's photo on the Saints website. And he looks like he's about 34 and a half, um, even though he's not. So, I mean, we've already seen Obafemi have a, have a shot this year. Um, I would say maybe Slattery other than that. Um, but I think Marcus Barnes has done some good things. And Nathan Tellis seems to be uh, constantly in the highlights. So, um, I don't know. I think any of those guys could, could have a shot. I think it's going to be uh, more on are there injuries that they have to come up and, and fill in for? Um, or uh, do we bring some guys back from loan that, uh, that proved to be uh, the, the difference there, I guess. Agreed. You definitely hit all of the people who I wanted to hit right on the nail. Well, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. I know our timeline was a little bit tight. Um, you had to rush home. I, I hope, I hope it wasn't too bad. And uh, I don't know, man, I am, I can just say that like moving forward now, like we, we said it earlier, but if the team plays this way, win or lose, um, finish 17th place and play like this, I think everybody's happy. Um, you know, obviously it'll be something to build on moving forward, but like the, the intensity, the pressure, the just kind of the free flowingness of the football and, and the quickness with which we got the ball forward, I think is everything, uh, we want as fans and it's something that we've been missing. And I think at this point I have to like, look at myself in terms of my just being a fan and and looking at the last couple of seasons. And I've been very, I don't know. I don't know. I want to say apologetic for the club, but I've been, I've been willing to, to basically just suffer through whatever it is and try to put a smile on because I want the team to do well, but getting to see this again and getting to see kind of what, how the team can play and how good we can be, I think for me is, is just a reminder of, of what we're capable of. And really this is the saints team that I fell in love with, you know, watching them play this way. That's why I fell in love with the team. And so for me, this is uh, just a reminder and like kind of a, I don't know. It, it just really kind of brings it all back home for me. I think. Agreed. Definitely. Same here. This is the football I love to watch and I'm really happy. It's starting to come back. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we go up to Huddersfield next week and just take it to him. I mean, that would be, I would love it. I'm going to love it. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, man. Um, so one more time before we go, can you tell everybody again where they can find you and where they can find the pages that you are a part of? Uh, so in case they want to go out and, and do that, we'll put those things, we'll put the links in the show notes and stuff so people can click straight from there. Um, but yeah, 
So if you're looking for my personal, you can find me on Instagram at, at M-O-A-N, sorry, at M-O-A-M fan Zachary. Um, my Saints pages are at the Saints voice and, and at Southampton FC. And there's two N's in at South in Southampton. Um, on Twitter, it's at the Saints voice and at Southampton Zachary is my personal. So um, once again, thank you, Matt, so much for having me on the show. I'm really glad that I was able to come on and discuss what was a massive, massive three points. Yeah, I think it's um, this has the potential to be one of those those moments. And I think we said it earlier, but eight months, first one in eight months at, at home. Um, Absolutely huge. Just a massive, massive victory. And the stadium, uh, we have to say again and again, the, the stadium really was there the entire match for for the guys. And they were they were loud and it was. Uh, it was, it, it's really refreshing because normally I make a point to comment on the away fans because you can always hear them at, at the away ground. And, uh, today the home fans were there and the home fans were loud and the home fans were, you know, well, they had something to be proud of, which is, which is probably says a lot. So, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we will put uh, the links to, to your, your pages in the show notes. Um, Zach, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, look forward to doing this again in the future. And um, yeah, I mean, it, people that follow your, your personal, they should know you are a, a big metal fan. You go to a lot of metal shows. Um, and half the time, I don't know the bands that you are, are going to <laughs> see, but um, you know, I, 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 I like music. I like metal. I don't go to shows really a lot anymore simply because I have two children that require time and, and effort and, and energy. And this is really my one kind of outlet, but like, um, when you were messaging me yesterday, we were just setting this, uh, just going over last minute details. You mentioned you were going to a metal show that was just music. Yes, it was. It was an. It was the first show I went to that was without vocals in a while. It was an all instrumental show. It was like it was a basically all guitar show. It was really really cool. I loved it. That is a uh, it's next level dedication to 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 the metal scene. So I appreciate that. And uh, you've shown the same dedication, obviously, to to, to Southampton because you're still around and doing it even when you were on a boat. So uh, thank you. Definitely. I love it, man. It's awesome to support this team, despite how frustrating it could be at the times. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up and uh, we will talk to you next time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. That does it for episode 101 of the Southampton delivery podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Zach Coopersmith, who joins me from the Saints Voice and from the Southampton FC page. Uh, if you want to hear more from him, get in touch with those pages. The links are in the show notes. Um, thank you once again to everybody for all your support over the past 100 episodes. Uh, we're just basically here to keep it going, and I'm here to try to not mess it up. The show would not be possible without the help of two people specifically, not my two kids or the dog or my wife, although they're great too, uh, but Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page who does the artwork for the show. He was my guest last week and several other times leading up to last week, um, but he is now going to be doing graphics for the club. He announced that on last week's show. Congratulations, Matt. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've done, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep talking unless they tell you you can't. Um, and the other guy, Jamie Grant, uh, who runs the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, that is the official partner page of the show. And you can sign up to win a day in the life of a Premier League footballer 
uh, with Southampton through his Instagram page. So go there and check the story now. Swipe up. Not on the one that says podcast, but on the other one. Um, so you can swipe up on the podcast one too, but swipe up on the other one. Fill out the form uh, to sign up and win. A chance to become or, or have a day in the life of a Premier League footballer. If you want to get in touch with this show on social media, you can do that on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. You can also sign up to support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Uh, you get some things in return. No pressure. I really just appreciate you listening. Music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pod and Tim Bear. And on Monday, which is weird to say because I'm still talking on Monday, but on Monday, Ben Stanfield from the Total Saints podcast and John Bailey from the Saints FC podcast, we all got together to record uh, the Total Saints FC delivery podcast special Christmas edition that should be out later this week. Special thanks to Ben for taking the time to edit that one. John, you're up this summer. Enjoy. Uh, so that does it for this episode. Please remember to subscribe if you have not done so already. Uh, share the show with somebody else. If you're really enjoying it, consider leaving a review or becoming a Patreon to help support it. Um, and I'll be honest that I don't know how many times is too many times to say that. Um, when it, it feels a little icky to say but hopefully that, that gets better with time. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I look forward to next time. But until then, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>